that came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. Something to talk about. How about love? Love. Really get through. All right, well, just before we get started, I want to make a correction. I am an idiot. On the last episode, I believe I said that Eisenhower signed a treaty with the aliens at England Air Force Base. Meant to say Edwards Air Force Base. I think I was thinking of, you know, one of my buddies stationed in uh, England Air Force Base in Florida. Shout out, not John Snow if he's listening. But... Now you had something? I like to, you know, pour some out and have a sip for the homie Steven. Dr. Hawking, if you will. 76. Government shell. Dude. We can do an episode on that. A whole episode and then some. That guy is a mind blow. He's a Dr. Shell. But was, <laughs> a, was a brilliant <laughs> mind Dr. nonetheless. Shell, dude? Was a brilliant mind nonetheless. Or was he? That's another episode for a different day, fellas. Today, we're getting right into... The King of the Beasts. We're talking about King Kong, boys. Once again, it's the podcast from outer space with your boy Rob Scott. Adam Narlock's here in the house. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And as always, Ryan Scott over here sipping on his green tea. Hello. Now tonight we are talking about (laughs) King of the fucking Jungle. Is that correct or is that a lion? The Lion King. Yeah, maybe you're... I'm familiar with the film The Lion King. Can we talk about that in this podcast, or is that copyrighted by Disney? Do you want to ask your friend? I mean, you can uh, talk about whatever you want. Maybe you heard of the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Yeah, we're all big proponents of freedom of speech on this podcast. We said we were doing King Kong, now we're doing King Kong. The legend himself, this will be similar to our episode on Godzilla. We did the Kong vs. Godzilla in that episode. If you haven't heard it, go back, give that a little listen um, because we probably won't cover that again in this episode. We might get into a little bit, but you know, we're going to talk about the creation of the OG 33 film, uh, some background on the creators, which is actually, we found to be just as fascinating as the films themselves and discuss some of the other films, mostly the better ones in the franchise. Maybe some of the not so better ones as well. Yes. Now, and even some ripoffs as well. <laughs> so these creators, let's get into these guys. Originally created in 1933, if you can believe that, um, King Kong was the brainchild of Marion C. Cooper and Edgar Wallace. Now, while Cooper is uh, largely credited as the sole creator, you know, it was his idea. He came up with the concept. We got to give Wallace some credit here, though, as he did write the script uh, that would serve as the basis of the screenplay for the 33 film. Now, we got to pour one out for this guy, Wallace. R.I.P. Uh, this uh, was his last screenplay. I actually believe he died before writing it and um, died of diabetes, diabetes coupled with double pneumonia. Ooh. You ever heard of that? You double retired? <laughs> double retired this guy. <laughs> Uh, in Beverly Hills, February 1932. So didn't even get to see the movie. Mm. Sorry, so, bud. You know. Looks like you got a bad case of the double pneumonia. <laughs> yeah. So RIP to that. Pour one out for him. And 
a little, you know, just a fact thrown in there. More than 160 films have been made based off of Wallace's works, mostly sci-fi. Just King mm. Kong or like all his stuff in general? Like all his stuff. Like he was a notorious, prolific English sci-fi writer. Mm. And uh, now for the coup de grace, uh, <laughs> this guy, Marion C. Cooper, hell of a guy. Oh, I was reading what you wrote in your notes, man. Yeah, now... In all of my research, uh, you know, countless hours scouring the web, this guy is uh, one of the forgotten heroes of the film industry and a true American and Polak hero at that. Shout out to my people. Now, this guy, he's like a real-life Indiana Jones. Uh, One guy even said as much as King Kong is basically an autobiographical work on this son of a bitch's life and not in those words. Now... (laughs) What's a uh, words were they? What, <laughs> what words did he use? He just said, you know, basically this is an autobi- autobiography on uh, Cooper's life. He didn't call him a son of a bitch. He said, out in Africa, King Kong Gorilla. Now, who's like a good war hero? What's a good uh, Eisenhower, MacArthur? Patton. Yeah, this guy's like Patton meets Indiana Jones. I dig it. So... Cooper was born in Jacksonville, Florida, October 24th, 1893. Again, pour one out for this guy. Actually died in San Diego, California on April 21st, 1973 at the age of 79. Let's go pay that man some respects one day. Now, what were you about to say, T-Bag? No, I misread the notes. Uh, I that out <laughs> okay, now. so... Uh, a, this guy was a U.S. Air Force and Polish Air Force officer and even made it as high as Brigadier General. Um, now, that's one star. As a young tyke, uh, this guy Cooper was obsessed with books like Explorations and Adventure in Equatorial Africa. Then That was by 19th century explorer Paul Duchalil. Shout out, Gregoire. <laughs> well, uh, now, this guy recounted native tales about gorillas possessed by spirits who carried off damsels in distress. Mm. Sound like something familiar? Sounds like maybe he can't copyright that then. <laughs> now, uh, get into legal issues later Yeah, on we'll get into so. the legal issues. We've got our lawyer, Rob, doing some crackpot <laughs> research on that. And uh, Cooper yearned to be an explorer from a very young age. He actually attended the Naval Academy, but was expelled during his senior year for, quote-unquote, raising hell-raising and championing air power. Now, I asked my dad, big-time big Navy guy, big time Navy. Um, yesterday what the hell that meant, and he was saying, like, I guess back in, what, 1911 probably this guy went to... Um, the Naval Academy, he was saying it's like aviation wasn't a big thing back then, so nobody really like gave a fuck about it. And uh, I guess this guy was just going around saying it was better than everyone else. They expelled him for that. <laughs> Apparently, he gets spelled for a lot less back then. And uh, he went on to become a bomber pilot. Oh, you like airplanes? Why don't you get the fuck out of our <laughs> yeah, school? Like, uh, oh, you're... Um, you went on to be one of the most successful uh, fighter pilots of World War One. Um, yeah, well, you're out of here for uh, condoning that. <laughs> so he he went on to become a bomber pilot in World War One, and his plane was shot down over France, burst into flames. Cooper 
being the hero he was, refused to eject and abandon his co-pilot, although the plane was set ablaze. And he maneuvered the plane to landing, and they were both taken prisoner and held in a German hospital with severe burns until the end of the war. Now, that sounds a little bit like uh, Metallica's one meets Snoopy and the Red Baron right there to me. (laughs) Yes. Now, after that, he joined a relief mission in Poland in 1919. Uh, He was the founder of the Adam, a little help there. No, don't put that on me. Kushko Squadron. That sounds good. Uh, Here he fought with the Polish Air Force against the Bolsheviks. Um, This was in the Polish-Soviet War. He flew over 250 fighter missions, and again, plane was shot down, and he was captured by Cossacks. He spent time in a prison camp in Moscow, I believe, and he did escape, but was briefly recaptured by a, soldier, a Russian soldier, and allegedly, Cooper slit that guy's throat and escaped back to Poland. Badass, dude. <laughs> yeah. Probably one of the only movie producers to have done that. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Imagine that guy's resume. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. Nobody <laughs> wants to fuck with this guy. Now we're looking here. We see that you slit a man's throat. So <laughs> please you're take obviously all hired. the money you need to make your movie. <laughs> so you know, fast forward a couple years, and Cooper is now an explorer um, on an expedition. How do you just get that job? This sounds. Yeah, this is some Homer Simpson. Do shit, Do you just dude. go explore shit? I saw that he was a part of the Explorers Club, which is an actual club. L. Ron Hubbard was also a part of. It's like a one mm. of those Mason type societies, like a knockoff Boy Scouts, backwoods Boy Scouts. Yeah, but what are they exploring it sounds now? Sounds like a porno. <laughs> so, yeah, well, anyways, speaking of making films, okay. So, on an expedition to what is now Ethiopia, uh, Cooper and Shodsack, his uh, <laughs> that's what? really his name. Skodsack, Shodsack. We probably should have looked that up. Pa- apologies. Um, this was his cameraman who he met just after the war and continued to work with on many feature films, including King Kong. Um, but anyways, they were visiting the Golden Prince Tafari, uh, the future Emperor Hale Selassie. Shout out Bob Marley. Um, shout out Bad Brains. This was uh, this motivated them to make documentary films, um, and that's how they actually got their start. Shout out Cannibal um, Holocaust. So that's how you do it. You just go on an expedition, make some films. People see, see that, like it, then they hire you to go explore what they care about. We need to go up to Shasta, make our film. You're right. If we survive, we'll have if a job as explorers. So yeah. <laughs> They got their start making documentaries. I mean, these were some of the first guys to make a feature-length documentary and have it picked up by a a major uh, film company. And um, actually, in the Adaman Islands, off the coast of India, they encountered gigantic lizards, 14 feet long. And this island is what would serve as the inspiration for Skull Island, a place which, quote-unquote, Time forgot where dinosaurs still roamed. So, you know, Cooper and his partner, I will not butcher his name anymore, were innovators of the craft. Um, Grass nineteen came out in 1925, and Chang in 27 were the earliest documentary films made. And their first film using Hollywood actors, The Four Feathers in 1929, 
They actually intercut location shots they filmed in Sudan with scenes filmed on set in California, and they were some of the first ever in the film industry to use this technique, which, I mean, that's basically common practice now. Star Wars right there. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're going to go somewhere else and cut that in with, with shit in the studio. They were not just filming everything in the studio. Now, uh, Cooper and Shodzak are the two men uh, seen in the plane firing at King Kong in the end of the film. Well, fun fact there. Fun fact, I mean. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just one more note on this Cooper guy. Um, because now we're, we'll get into the 33 film, which is around this time. But uh, actually at the height of his career in Hollywood, he left to go re-enlist and was commissioned as a colonel and served as the oldest fighter pilot in World War II at the age of 48. He served from 41 to 45 in both theaters of the war, um, German and Pacific. And uh, at the end of the war, he was actually promoted to Brigadier General. I mean, this guy, you got to tip your hat off to him. This is an unbelievable this, story, this am I right? This like Medal of Honor come to life. Yeah, it, well, actually, when he was serving uh, with the oh, interesting story, I watched a documentary. Well, it was like some guy on YouTube is just like did a whole documentary on this guy. Links in the description, perhaps? Well, it's not that great. This okay, guy yeah. is like trying to get money from people to oh. make a documentary, but it's like just some old guy talking and he's describing the scenes. He's like, Koopa was going to get his Oscar and the crowd chants, bravo, bravo, sir, cheer you. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> like, it's kind of bad, but he talked about when he was in the Polish uh, squadron, um, he actually got Poland's Medal of Honor. Mm. And him and some other guy that started the squadron were actually like the Polish government was like, hey, look, you guys helped us like so much in this war. We're just going to offer you like land and a government funding for the rest of your life. You're set. Like you can just go fucking perch. We're going to give you acres of land. You're, you don't have to work another day in your life. And they both declined it because they're like super humble. If you actually watch his clip of uh, him getting his honorary Oscar, this guy's just giving credit to everybody else. Doesn't even take credit. True Polak right there. Yeah, this guy, well, he wasn't actually Polish. Oh, he, well. just, uh, <laughs> he just... Honorary. honorary. Yeah, honorary Polak. Now, we'll get into the 1933 film now. So this was released uh, March 2nd, 33 in NYC, and April 7th, coming up. Uh, nationwide, King Kong was an immediate success and in 91 was deemed culturally and historically significant by the Library of Congress, selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. Uh, this one had a budget of 672 k in 1933 money and raked in $2.8 million in 33. Adjusted for inflation... That's a budget of twelve million and fifty-one million pulled in at the box office. Pretty savage, dude. Now, like for we said, time. yeah, yeah, especially for the time. Quadruple um, your money—that's all right in my book. Yeah, like we said before, the original idea is credited to uh, Cooper, and directing credits go to Cooper and Ernest B. Shodzak. Now, however, in a lot of docs I watched, um, the film had a bunch of contributors that made this possible. And Cooper credit, gave a lot of credit to Ruth Rhodes for really bringing the screenplay to life. Um, 
while Wallace did write the first draft, um, he went gently into that good night before it was completed. And the final version came from Ruth Rose with a little bit of James Creelman thrown in there. And another big factor uh, in making this movie a success was the stop motion animation. Um, this can be credited to Willis O'Brien and his assistant, Buzz Gibson. Now, you know, stop motion, matte painting, rear projection, even miniatures were all used, and these were like groundbreaking at the time. You know, keep in mind this is 1933. The first full length movie with sound was only in 1927. Mm a mere six years prior. Now, uh, if you've ever seen the original King Kong, you guys seen it? It's been a while, but yes, I've seen it before. Bits and pieces, yeah. Now, it is stop motion, so you know it might not have held the test of time, but I think it's still very well done, you know. Uh, O'Brien did like a insane job of like making Kong seem real, the stop motion puppet. And... Um, you know, he had to convey that emotion and feeling to the audience because even though he's running amok, you know, he's destroying the city, murking people left and right, we all still feel for this man in the final scene. Um, you know, when he falls off the building, when he gets shot down, cut down in his prime. <laughs> and uh, also Fay Ray, another uh, big not, deal in Not this to film. be confused with Fay Reagan. Yes, not to be confused with Faye Reagan. Faye Ray, she, she's up for boner of the month. Um but yeah, look her up. Honestly, I don't see the hype. Like every documentary I watch, they're like, oh my gosh, this this lady's unbelievable. I mean, hell of an actress, but I guess at the time, like Adam was saying, any girl showing a bra strap is going to get boners popping left and right. I don't think he used those words, but <laughs> as I so eloquently put it. Now, uh, almost immediately after the 33 film, uh, they followed it up with uh, The Son of Kong. And we'll get in. Interesting. Nine months later. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, get it out of the way now, baby (laughs) joke. So uh, we'll get into like all the films in the Kong franchise. And um, these are just the ones that are straight up. They had to get the rights to make these. I mean, there's a ton of ripoffs, which we'll talk about. Uh, later, Adams pulled some great content on that. But yeah, so Son of Kong. I mean, have you guys seen any of these? There's Son of Kong, King Kong, Godzilla, King Kong Escapes, uh, King Kong, the 76 version, King Kong Lives, and uh, Peter Jackson's version, and then the new Skull Island. You guys, what, what would you say is your favorite of all those? Obviously the newest one. You think so? Yeah, me too. I have seen the 76 and unfortunately the 2005. 2005 was way too long. And it was kind of stupid. I mean, opinion. it was good as basically a remake of the original. It was just like you Twice were saying. As long, yeah. <laughs> the original was <laughs> about an hour and a half. the same story, yeah. Twice. Yeah. I, feel, I just felt like the 2005 was a little cheesy, but that's just me. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, most of these were more or less failures. I mean, Son of King Kong basically flopped. As uh, I think, like, uh, a lot that had to do with it was that just, like, the original King Kong was just so groundbreaking for its time that they just pushed this one through. Kind of like how Star Wars, you know, Disney's cranking out a new Star Wars movie every year. You're not going to really have time to appreciate the last one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they... They didn't have time in. to register that one and be like, I want some more Kong. They just, boom, push this out. 
to try to get it to be successful. Um, so, you know, then we got King Kong versus Godzilla and King Kong escapes. And this is one when, uh, Toho had to get the rights. Um, King Kong versus Godzilla. I mean, definitely a success budget of 200 K and, uh, pulled in 2.7 million. So, uh, but you know, as we discussed, uh, on our Godzilla episode, if you haven't, uh, go back and give that a listen. And uh, if you want some more context as far as Godzilla's side and, um, you know, the ground, the background on the people behind Toho. But um, these were, you know, seen as disappointments in the eyes of a lot of the original King Kong fans because Toho used a guy in a gorilla suit, which uh, was basically a letdown for the audience because everyone was so um, flabbergasted, if you will, by the stop motion. This was thirty years, like thirty-ish years later, right? Uh, like yeah, I believe King Kong v Godzilla was sixty-two. Yeah, about thirty. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> kind of a step back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've got also the seventy-six version, and uh, well, well, they also had another um, Toho one, uh, King Kong Escapes, but again, not like a lot of people weren't about it. You know, pretty disappointed, but. 76 version. Now, I think this one was like one of the bigger failures. Uh, this is seen by many as a cult classic starring Jeff Bridges, the dude. Pre-dude <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And uh, was, I mean, actually, you know, not really a failure, but didn't hold up for time, we'll say. Failure by today's standards. You know, $24 million budget pulled in $90.6 million. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the only film to feature the World Trade Center in lieu of the Empire State Building. And this won, this actually won an Academy Award for visual effects. And uh, this also used a man in a gr- gorilla suit, so caught a lot of flack from the OG fans. But actually, fun fact, it was uh, Rick Baker in the gorilla suit. So you guys, yeah, shout out Rick Baker. He's like legendary uh, sci-fi makeup guy. He did all the shit for uh, American Werewolf in London um, and like a bunch of other movies like Star Wars, you know, like and basically any big ass sci-fi movie Rick Baker was doing makeup for. Um, They also went way over budget on that one and ended up spending 1.7 mil on a robotic version of the ape also. uh, Yeah, Yeah, which also like the... uh, it doesn't match with any other shots of King Kong. Like the robot, it just looks totally like they just filmed a toy or something. The face doesn't match with any of the other suit shots. And uh, during filming, the arm actually fell off and nearly crushed a bunch of extras. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people say the poster was the coolest thing about this one. Uh, done by Jeff Berkeley. This guy was a legend, absolute savage in the world of sci-fi art. He sci-fi art. Sci-fi. Sci-fi <laughs> art. Sci-fi. He he uh <laughs> up in Berkeley, dude. He did numerous covers for uh Ismic Asimov, uh Ben Bova, Philip K. Dick, uh Robert. Another Heinlein. episode to check out if you haven't already. Yeah. And uh he's he's also done artwork for NASA and the Apollo missions. This guy did the poster for Dune and all the original Star Wars trilogy posters. Yo, maybe he would do a patch for us since Rob can't seem to get it together. I think wow. he's dead. He just asked me two days ago, so sorry. Uh well that's our just Google it though. Google this guy, uh 
Jeff Berkeley's artwork. I mean, this guy is basically the godfather of sci-fi art. And pour one out for this savage. We can't ask him to do the patch because he died of heart failure on April 28th, 2008. Mm. At his home in? Minnesota. Excelsior. You know, a lot of people gave this one a bad rap because they used World Trade Center instead of the Empire State Building, like the OG version. Yeah, that's what that's what I was saying. This was the giving them shit for trying a new idea out. And look what happened to the World Trade Center. (sighs) Okay, come on. (laughs) 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 Now, even though um, this was basically ripped apart by critics. what does the fucking director, John Gellerman, do? He says, fuck it. He makes a sequel in 89. We get King Kong Lives, which was a monumental flop. This one had a budget of $18 million and only poured in four, pulled in $4.7 million. Basically cited as the most boring film in the franchise. Um, I feel like that was like probably a tough time to come out with a good movie though because there are so many good movies coming out like sci-fi related right around that 89 yeah 89 vision and um (laughs) this one has uh again we get two people in gorilla suits because there's a female king kong and they have like a love scene like they're playing romantic music and it's just horrible just like we talked about and there's also a giant they give king kong a heart transplant an open heart (laughs) surgery they like take his heart out with a big crane it's just stupid like none of it makes sense and it's really boring Um, someone had to okay that shit yeah yeah. (laughs) so you know after this goddamn disaster i feel like nobody really touched king kong until 2005 when we get peter jackson uh produced and directed the remake of the original with modern technology of motion capture and cgi and jack black yes now which is probably the reason i can't take that movie seriously (laughs) i thought he did a good job in it i liked it um budget of 273 million Pulled in $550 million at the box office. Mm. Now, this went on to win three Academy Awards for sound, sound mixing, and visual effects. And, um, I mean, come on. You guys didn't like this one? You just thought it was too long? It was too long. I w- honestly, I don't know, I'll admit to you, the first time I saw it, I was watching it with my girlfriend, and we had other ideas in mind. Okay. 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 So this guy wasn't even now, watching what it from about, the beginning. <laughs> now, what's your major beef with it? I just thought it was cheesy, and it's hard for me to take Jack Black seriously. It's okay. too long, man. So, you know, the ending in this one, goddamn tearjerker. I mean, I would definitely say that, uh, I mean, Jackson says he wasn't trying to remake it. He was just trying to update the original with modern technology and apparently time runtime too it's freaking three hours long um but yeah i mean i think uh the updated tech you know he he used what cooper didn't have uh what cooper wasn't able to do and cooper's ending was good but you know jackson's i mean when when kong falls off spoiler alert uh that one's that ending's good man and uh you know i think uh they did a good job at making um, Kong like that one still holds up. Like it doesn't look like the CGI of like the Star Wars mm. revamps, you know. And um, really, the yeah, the only downside I would say is the three-hour uh, runtime. 
Because, you know, the OG is about an hour and a half. So it's like, come on, Jackson. Why didn't you just make it an hour and a half shot for shot remake? But he says he wanted to include a lot of scenes that Cooper wasn't able to, whether it be the technology or just cutting to save time, which, you know, Jackson, come on. Should have taken some notes for Coop, from Cooper there. <laughs> and uh, so, boom, that takes us right up to 2017. We get Kong Skull Island. Uh, directed by Jordan Vaught Roberts, which this guy really uh, only did like two films before this, and uh, gets a budget of 185 million. Kind and, of a big undertaking, too. Yeah, you insane. I mean, this guy's all yeah. This guy's also young, uh, 33 years old. Um, 556.7 million. This one pulled in at the box office. And also, this is the biggest Kong we've ever seen. Uh, you know, as discussed in our previous episode on Godzilla, go ahead and uh, peep game. We talk all about the breakdown of the uh, size of Kong. I think he was 25 feet in the original 33 version. Um, in this one, he's ginormous because, as we said, they're working towards Kong versus Godzilla set for release of 2020. So it's King Kong on steroids. So basically the bet we have is flawed because King Kong will win, which you predicted, I believe. Yep. No, yeah, dude, Godzilla's on steroids, on steroids too. Oh, he's so got nuclear power. Yeah, but they, This is like Lesnar v. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> steroids are okay. All There's right, no right, USADA. Right. Because neither one of them are passing. <laughs> now well, King Kong's over there on Skull Island just ripping lizards apart, eating them. Fighting sea monsters, ripping them apart, having some fresh fucking calamari yeah. out on Skull Island getting fit. What's Godzilla doing? Feet up. He's hibernating in his float tank Just underwater. Just waiting, man. <laughs> waiting to get pieced we up. Watched, we'll see. We'll we see. watched uh, Skull Island last night in preparation for this. Bunch of new stuff in here. I mean, I thought it was a great film. Um, what's your guys' consensus on this one? Please check the watch. <laughs> You know, a lot of critics actually gave this one a bad rap because they didn't put in the iconic scene of King Kong climbing up the skyscraper. Yep, yep. That's but, what they're cynical assholes. About. But I think, obviously, when you watch past the credits, it's because they're trying to set it up. So they're not going to have yeah, they're the not going to capture him, take they him to They can't be like Orson Welles, you know? They can't blow their load in the first movie. <laughs> they gotta, they're dragging this out. Well, plus, my theory on this whole new one is there's all these undertones of, you know, I don't want to say climate change because that's not really what it is, but it's basically like humans get to this new undiscovered location. What do they do? They just start blowing it up, tearing it apart, oh, yeah, fucking def- destroying I mean, yeah, it. that's even in the first one. I mean, what do they do? They see Kong, the eighth wonder of the world, and they want to put him in a cage yeah. And, uh, you know, it's the man. They kidnapped Shamu. They put him in a chlorine tank. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's like a testament to humanity, I think. Because in the original, what does Kong do? He's in, I mean, Kong, let's be honest. Kong really didn't do anything wrong. He's, He's minding he his own them. business. He's yeah. He's just trying to stay alive on and his he, own island. And then he gets captured by these fucking heathens. He's in a new place. He doesn't know what's going on. He's smashing stuff. And then, boom, they're going to shoot him down? 
I mean, yeah. Well, dude. this new one, you know, like there's no way you're capturing a hundred foot tall girl. Oh yeah, you tell Take you that me, right I, now. I ain't going. I'm going out kicking and screaming, man. <laughs> yeah. Now there's a bunch of cool stuff in here which I want to talk about. We get the intro and in, starts out in '44. Uh, you know, end of World War II, which is where we get John C. Riley's character, and we get the Steve Brule reference in there. Uh, his jacket on the back, good for your health. Uh, I thought that was hilarious that the guy put that in there. You could definitely tell it's like a young director doing it. And then it's actually set in like the 70s, Vietnam era, um, which we talked about leading up to modern times Kong Versilla. So he's staying alive all this time. And um, we also get Monarch, which is like the new like government corporation that's going and like discovering all this stuff. Department of Energy is probably related somehow. Yeah, yep. it's like in the end credit scene, they're in that CIA type room and they're like briefing them on all these monsters that they find, which gets into a big uh, theme in this one is the Hollow Earth theory. Mm. Now this is like why. In Kong Skull Island, also spoilers. Um, this is why they, this is their like hypothesis for how these uh, monsters were able to exist. You know, um, Adam, you got any more info on this Hollow Earth theory? I mean, we'll keep it short and sweet for you guys. Uh, the theory is that the Earth is hollow, and uh, <laughs> 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 that basically that races of people, entire civilizations thrive in these subterranean cities and we talked about it a little bit in our shasta episode oh yeah you know? caverns i mean the sasquatch from my understanding um it's like there's a bunch of different hollow earth theories and like a lot of them though i mean there's i don't have we could probably do a whole episode on that Oh, easy but um a lot of them are just like yeah all these different species like migrate through these caverns that are under the earth i mean there's one you get someone says that the sun is actually in the middle of the earth. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. like the concave one. Like, uh, we're actually living on the inside. Yeah, and yeah, it's like yeah. Our perspective. The yeah. stars are really I'm going like to be honest, icicles. I didn't understand that yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's, some of it's a little complex, but for the most part, I mean, they're hollow, hollow earth. And it's like these creatures are able to just thrive under here and pass through yeah. however they want to get through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, relating. Need a lot of acid to understand some of these things. <laughs> Probably. Go to Mount Shasta. Um, I think a lot, like it relating to Skull Island is um, the skull crawlers in that. Mm -hmm. These are basically these like fucking lizard uh, creature things that grow to like the size of King Kong that are basically able to just thrive in the hollow earth. And they look like the lizards from Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. And I also was reading a lot about um, hollow earth having to do with like well, one thing I was reading was like King Kong and Skull Island in general, they say, is like alien, something to do with aliens, you know? Like Mothra was an alien, mm. correct? I believe that is correct. And so Kong could be like a, a chimp altered with, um, or a gorilla, excuse me, altered with um, alien DNA to get that size. But see, well, all that stuff on Skull Island, really... Yeah. Think about it. That giant fucking spider, the skull yep. crawlers themselves had that weird like energy going on inside their bodies. It can all go back to aliens. Now, what were you about to say, T-Bag? Well, I'm, <laughs> uh, you know, go back to this hollow earth theory. Like oh. people believe that UFOs and aliens aren't from other planets, like we said, but 
They you, just thrive underground like Mount Shasta. So maybe they're okay. doing experiments on these monkeys and they're getting too big to live out there. So they yeah. boop, pop oh, them up, just man. pop them up. You know? Okay. Boop. Yeah, just pop those right up there. <laughs> oh, this guy's uh, 60 feet tall. Just pop them up there. No room, right no up room. in <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> just send them to Vietnam. It's fine. But see, I mean, if you look more into this hollow earth thing, are we going to have this discussion right now? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Keep so, going. So like the whole thing. This is unbelievable. Keep going. What else you got? That's compelling stuff. Go ahead and hit the forward 15 second button if you're bored now. But basically, Hollow Earth, they're saying like uh, the poles, North and South Pole, they aren't really there. It's actually like a hole in the Earth. So if you were to that's go to the, the entry point, right, that's the entry point into the Earth, like North or South Pole. And I mean, if you want to get into some conspiracy theories, Hitler himself, you know, not to get political or anything, believed that the Earth was hollow. And uh, basically, at the end of the war, him and his top followers and advisors escaped Germany, went to Antarctica. And there's just a whole reign of people, apparently, I mean, living inside the earth. I mean, I could see that. Because think about it. How many people do you know that have been to Antarctica or the North Pole? Maybe you're familiar with Santa Claus? He actually lives up there. He lives in Finland. That's in Finland. That's another episode. Santa, real mysterious guy. He goes around the whole world and... One night Sees sounds like an alien to me. CIA spook <sighs> can fit in spook. any chimney. <laughs> can fit in any chimney. That could be another episode. Shapeshifter, boys. flying reindeer, alien DNA. <laughs> um, well, now, I'll, I'll also touch on the pyramids in Antarctica when we do the pyramid episode that's coming up. Been okay. doing a lot of research now. Also in the new, well, all right, we'll go back to Kong. We're, we'll get off. We, we want to get off <laughs> Hollow Earth or no? no? Let's leave it. Let's leave it. Okay. Look, do some research on your own. We're here exp- see what we got. expanding your minds. Because another thing, okay, yeah, back to Skull Island that I was seeing. So aside from Hollow Earth, these things just being to live underground, um, like Skull Island is this hidden, uncharted island. And um, one of the things I was reading was saying it's like basically a place where these where basically evolution like took a another turn from like normal the normal everyday world like on this island evolution boom it it went off this other path to where everything is like giant that's why we get the giant spires the weird fucking alien birds we get it's the like freaking dinosaurs and shit right? yeah yeah shit like that so, you know, we got these skin crawler things, which are basically like aliens. Um, and in the new one, no damsel in distress. Mm. I mean, while mm, there are, of. yeah, I mean, there are scenes with Brie Larson where Kong saves her and realizes, I think that's one of the best scenes in the movie when she falls off and he's like, oh man, like you can see it in his eyes. He's like, yeah. feels bad. But it's not like the original one where he first sees her and he's like, oh my God, and like, take my prize. And like, it's just keeping it the whole time, you know? But also it could be because he's so much bigger. Now, that's an interesting point that you make about hanging on to the prize. Like, do you think Kong learned to like hold on to things, cage things up? Because I mean, like we captured him, human beings captured him, so he captured a human being. Like, is that you think? Well, that was before they captured him. Some Jane Goodall shit right here? Well, no, no, no. So here's my whole spiel. I think that it's like, it's the line in the end of the movie, the classic line, it was beauty that killed the beast. Mm. Kong's just like any one of us, just like you and me, you know? He sees a hot piece of ass, he gets (laughs) distracted. And, you know, this is going to ultimately be his downfall. This is why Rob never gets any work done. (laughs) Yeah, and, uh, 
But no, Kong, I think, you know, he just sees this uh, Fay Ray, not Fay Reagan. <laughs> And Second it's just time dis- said that. distracted. He's just like, oh man, like I want to, you know, this is my trophy that got it on my knickknack mm. shelf back on Skull Island. <laughs> and, um, and it's in the end, like he's trying to save that, which is like, but they're trying to save her, which kills him. You know, mm. that's his downfall is that he cares about this uh, creature to him so much. But yeah, we don't get that in Kong Skull Island. I think it's actually kind of a nice, refreshing version of the story. Yeah, me though. too. I think yeah. it's not just, you know, this guy didn't set out to just remake Kong. He's telling a different story. I mean, granted, he's under the whims of the um, legendary production studio because they're working towards the Kongzilla. But it's still, you know, not the same old thing. We're seeing a lot of different stuff. And... um this should take us right into our uh, knockoffs. You know, there's been countless knockoffs of giant ape movies over the years. And um, what do you guys think some of your favorites are? Mighty Joe Young, Mighty definitely Joe. for me, the 98. 98, are you talking about the classic? Well, I've never seen the classic, Why? so yes, the 98. Yeah, we're talking about the 90s version, obviously. I wasn't alive 49, you weren't alive in 49. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that too was directed by your boy... Uh, Schrod Schrodsack. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. Man, he was still alive. That's what it says. Forty nine. Oh, in forty nine yeah. version. I thought yeah, you were no, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> my fault. Miscommunication. Yeah, well, I mean, I even forgot about Mighty Joe Young until I was doing some research for yeah. this. That was a good one when I was a kid. I should go back and rewatch that. Charlie's Theron. <sighs> Oof. But uh anyways, yeah, we're talking about these uh <clears throat> knockoff eight movies, giant eight movies. Honorable mentions, you gotta watch Ape, spelled A-P-E, like mash. It's like mash. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this has the, uh, this is another guy in a gorilla suit, right? Guy in a gorilla suit, hot blonde, got to say. Flipping save. off the camera, Flipping dancing off. around. That's my King Kong right there, man. Yeah. Hashtag my King Kong. In one scene, he's got high top tennis shoes. He flips the bird to people, wrestling dead sharks. Like, I don't know, man. That's a South Korean film. <clears throat> Check out uh, Queen Kong if you ever get some time. That's a British knockoff. If you ever get some time, like by yourself. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> watch that one alone. Watch that one alone. Uh, talking about a giant gorilla wearing a bra and panties, climbing up Big Ben. And I'll leave you with that. Yeah, a lot of things I was seeing were like, uh, so there was bunch of ripoffs but they would just have it climbing like big ben or like the space needle or like something in seattle and like well it's not it's not uh the empire state building so it's not king kong you know and that's how they could get around the whole like i guess legal rights aspect because you can't copyright a a gorilla right right or can you well we get into that with our rob Well, how, any other noteworthy ripoffs we got? I think that's the biggest ones. I mean, you got the Godzilla interaction, or yeah, Godzilla interactions. Toho did a number yeah, on there. The Not a big. I mean, those seem to be frowned upon. I and even know. those were like, uh, we got into legal rights with those, which we've got yep. our lawyer Rob. Um, he's got his legal pad ready. He dived deep into the whole legal rights, which is. Uh, an interesting story and um so it's kind of interesting that in would we all say that the new one skull island is our favorite of the kong movies 
I mean, aside from just straight up the original for the sake of it being the original, yes, I think. Uh, I, I, I Like I said on our last episode, I think Kong Skull Island is one of the best movies of 2017. Really? Yes. Mm. Shape of Water? Pfft, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> Although I did watch that. It was pretty good. But, <laughs> was but right. I, Kong Skull Island, definitely way better. So that was produced by Warner Brothers. But back in 76... We had Universal and Paramount going neck to neck trying to produce a Kong remake. Obviously, you know, Paramount got the go-ahead on that. But little-known fact about it is Michael Eisner at the time was the vice president of ABC, would go on to be the future head of Disney. Pretty big name in the uh, movie business. Completely ruining ESPN, by the way. Okay, so allegedly in 1974, he floated the idea of making a remake to Sid Eisner. This is Eisner doing this? Michael Eisner, yes. This is all alleged reports. Now, so this is after... So Cooper came up with the idea. He's got the rights. 33, yep. RKO. Yeah, RKO has the rights They did two pictures, Son of Kong and King Kong. Boom, RKO. Correct. So it still belongs to Cooper. Well, technically it belongs to RKO. Here, here's my understanding. So RKO owns the rights to the original film and its sequel, Son of Kong. Yes. Dino and his company. Paramount. Had, yeah, had the rights to the 76 remake. Yes. And then Cooper, who I saw a great coach, said something like, uh, what did he say here? Well, let's save that till the end. Let's hear this guy's story. All right. Well, hold on. And I just want to make sure I understand. Cooper has the right to the book and the periodical publishing rights, and everything else is owned by Universal. Uh, technically, yes. And then you found out some more interesting stuff. Yeah. Okay. 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 I just All want to right. make sure Continue. I'm on the same page. I want to make okay, sure. Okay, yeah. Continue. All on the same page. So 1974, Eisner's like, hey, guys, let's remake King Kong. So he tells this idea to Barry Diller, who at the time was the president of Paramount Pictures, and apparently, this is just like casual conversation. Like, hey, I had this idea. I kind of want to remake King Kong. So they both unaware put wheels in motion to remake the movie. So Diller is off at Paramount. And then Sid Scheinberg, who is the president of MCA slash Universal at the time, goes and hires Stromberg Jr., their their idea was going to be Legend of King Kong. That's the Universal. In 74? 74. Okay. This okay. is when it all starts. Okay. So then uh, Paramount is going to just straight up do King Kong. Like, no take on it, just a fucking like blatant remake. So then they find out that RKO has the, the rights. Paramount offers them $200,000 with 3% of the gross profits in return to the rights to remake the movie. Unknowingly, Universal puts up $200,000 and 5% of their net profits to remake. Now, this is where it gets kind of fucked up because apparently both sides say that RKO gave them the rights. So it's like one day Universal comes in and it's like, hey, I'll give you $200,000 and uh, 5% of our net profits. And then... At the same time, they just gave those rights to Paramount. So, like, what the fuck were they doing? Like, that's what I couldn't what find out. What did Paramount offer? 
Paramount put up $200,000 with 3% of the gross profits. So that, in my opinion, would be bigger than the net because okay. gross is yeah. every, like all-encompassing profits. Like It's gross. Yeah. Okay. All right, continue. It's gross what they net. All right, a lot of red tape going on. A lot <laughs> of jelly in these dots. <laughs> so both studios at the time believe they own the rights to the Kong remake. And then here comes Paramount. They're put out the movie poster. They're starting to put out the trailers. And then Universal is and that's like... That's the Twin Towers? Yeah. Okay. Universal's like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, they just started their production. Mm-hmm. So their lawyers are scrambling around. Universal fires first. They're like, hey, we had this idea first. We want 25 mil for damages. At the time, you know, Dino's over here is like fuck you guys. I had this idea. So it all starts with Michael Eisner, apparently. And then Dino De Laurentiis, is that how we're pronouncing this guy's name? He basically takes it over and it's like his baby. He wants to say that he came up with the idea. It was all his idea. Let's call him Dino Spumoni. Dino Spumoni. <laughs> so he's like, nah, fuck this. We, we're going to countersue. So they countersue Universal so Universal's like, hey, this is fucked up. We had this idea first. We want 25 mil, and you guys can make your movie, and like, we'll just get out of it because they, at the time, had only invested 10 mil into the movie. So mm-hmm. if they get 25 mil off of it, that's you know easily covers all their bases and then some. But here comes Paramount saying, you know what? We're countersuing you for 90 million on copyright infringe- infringement on copyright infringement and damages. So all this legal bullshit goes back and forth until Paramount's already put out the 76 remake and it ended in settling out of court. De Laurentiis agrees to pay a percentage to Universal if they canceled their project, Legend of King Kong, which they in turn did. And then it was settled for an undisclosed amount. So I'm sure that they just ended up giving them probably the 25 mil that they came after at first. Cause but so Paramount won. Yeah. So Paramount ends up winning because they obviously put out the 76 the movie, remake yeah. with man. Bridges. I wonder what that other one would have been like. Well, yeah. And then I've also found interesting fact. Oh man. I can't think of this motherfucker's name now. Well, that's interesting. Who was the guy that was married to Sharon Tate? Oh, man. I was just looking at him the other day. Huge piece of shit, right? Yeah, Robert something, right? Go figure. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski, yeah. So they were originally going to have him direct, but he turned him down. So that's how they got Dino. Now, so what's the whole deal with, like, uh, Cooper's rights and everything? So he basically just got fucked out of his own idea? Is Is my understanding? Adam, didn't you have some info on this? Well, I only researched the actual movies. I didn't do all so that the, was all in the seventies. The books and the ideas and all that. And um, I think there was like some issues with like Cooper because he's like, "Hey, I only gave the rights to RKO to make two movies, and now I didn't." even like uh, even when they went to Toho, he was like, he was against the Toho Productions. Cooper, he was like, "No, like I don't want this." He wanted to do fucking King Kong versus Frankenstein. <laughs> and like, uh, I'm glad that never happened. Yeah, I think there was also a works for like um, 
Oh, man, it was something else. King Kong versus uh, Tarzan versus King Kong. That's not even a battle. <laughs> I know. Oh, I just liked, uh, even before RKO came along, like right when they started coming around, Cooper's like freaking out. He's like, oh, man, like I might not even have full control over something he came up in his own mind, you know? It's like back in the day when we're talking about like having a skateboard company, we're like, yeah, we came up with this cool name. This is our shit. And then all of a sudden on like MySpace and Facebook, everybody's got the same company. Like It's like any idea you, you think of in your head that then comes out. Like Lexi thinks she wrote Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs when she was in the fourth grade. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Conveniently, the only copy known I mean, has been lost, though. Donkey Kong, also a big gorilla. Do you think that they had to get the rights to King Kong to be able to make the game and stuff? Nintendo and Rare? Mm, did Lexi I did come up see with something too? on there. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I think that they were like pretty pissed about the Donkey Kong thing, but it was like, too different to like really ah, yes. have any legal action on it. Okay. And that's that's from our loyal Rob. Because it still does have Kong in the name. It is a gorilla, but it's you know, he's smashing barrels instead of not models. running around. <laughs> yeah. Smash barrels, not models. <laughs> yeah, man, especially King Kong is such a general like a giant if, monkey. A giant monkey, yeah. You feel like, you know. Well, I mean, I guess that wasn't thought of before he thought of it, but now it seems like common uh, yeah. common practice right? because we've got all these rip-offs. We've got all these... I mean, just like Jaws, Giant Shark. I mean, how many freaking Giant, giant. Shark movies have mm-hmm. they been? And how many of them are comparable to Jaws? <laughs> Probably none, you know? Yeah. But uh, Well, actually, when Universal f- was first suing on that $25 million for damages, they were claiming that the rights should be public domain because it was so long after the original. So the original came out in 33. The remakes started in 76 or well, came out in 76. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an official lawyer or anything here, but <laughs> I'm basically, you've got the pad, you've got the legal pad, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, King Kong, what do we want to say about King Kong? Uh, you know, this guy's basically become an icon. And a lot of the documentaries I was were saying is like he held the test of time. Um, just because the original was so groundbreaking and made so much money in the 30s, you know, King Kong, the idea of this giant gorilla, iconic Empire State Building scene. I mean, that's what I think of when I see the Empire State mm-hmm. Building. I don't know about you guys. And um, so countless parodies. Uh, you know, commercials with King Kong in it, just like Godzilla. You know, he's got Berkeley Duncan on him. Um, King Kong, I think I saw some like Snickers commercial he was in. He's a Ford commercial. It's hilarious. And, you know, so many parodies with King Kong. He was even in Playboy. Probably one of the only uh, giant monsters to be featured in Playboy. Am I right? I don't want to know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not like he's freaking nude with his dick swinging out, but he was like, uh, I think there was like some spread they did and it was like jungle women, like all nude King Kong in the back, you know, (laughs) because this guy loved women. Don't we all? So for Kong versus Godzilla, you guys still, uh, any of your minds change after all the Kong research or what? We still sticking with our original picks. No, I can't change. It's on evidence. It's on record now. I'm just strictly asking for the record. I'm still with King Kong all the way. Yeah, King Kong. 
And our bet is still on. And what's the bet? We'll rehash this bet out here. Gotta re I gotta listen to that episode again. All right. You've got Godzilla teabag. You've got King Kong, Rob. What's the bet? No, there was already a bet made. All right, we'll do a double bet because this is another episode. So new episode, new bet. Let's just go listen. Let's listen back and see what it was. Because I honestly don't remember either. I honestly don't remember. I feel like we have to pause it here. I'll just play the clip. Okay. And then I can go, yeah, fuck you. I'll pull it up right here. When Godzilla wins. (laughs) Oh, when he wins? When he wins. You have to dress up in a Godzilla costume, stand on a corner, chase Asian kids, and stomp models. Like model city. I'll build the damn model city if I have to. Oh, I thought you meant like female models. Whatever he wants to stomp. That's assault, brother. <laughs> so if King Kong wins, you're dressing up in a gorilla suit, spinning a banana out on the corner. That's and racist. you're going after any blonde girl that walks by. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm you're chasing down. them. I'm down. All right. So, yeah, that term's still going, man. Are you still good with that? Yep. That's still on. All right. King Kong, baby. Can't wait to see you Team stomp Kong. the models. Okay. Bet's still on. You heard it here. You heard it first. Adam's going to be dressed up like a gorilla, spinning a banana out on the corner, chasing models around. And Rob is going to be stomping models in front of Asian kids. <laughs> okay. Now I don't need to play the clip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there's the bet. The terms are laid. Now we just got to wait until 2020 to see that Godzilla movie. Waiting game. King Kong, actually. It's a King Kong movie. King Kong versus Godzilla. So <laughs> King Kong's gonna win, obviously. So it doesn't uh, matter. Yeah. So uh, anything before we get off on this one? Gonna get some patches going soon. The patch is going, going soon, and uh, I promise you guys, this won't be five months in weighing. We decided to nix the T-shirt idea. Uh, Rob over here wants to get a little patch going. Uh, get you guys some hats to wear. Um, so stay in tune for that. Um, again. Keep uh, with those five-star ratings. Thank you guys so much. It's just great to get that feedback on our social media email. We love interacting with you guys, so keep that up too. Yep, we still got some stickers, so if anyone's interested in that, you know where to get at us on our Instagram or the old email. Either one works. Everyone knows that it's podcastfromouterspace at gmail.com or podcastfromouterspace on the Instagram. If you don't know, now you know. And that's all for me, boys. So long and thanks for all the fish.